0: Welcome to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast. I'm Rick Samprin. A convoy of Canadian truckers is headed to Ottawa to protest the federal vaccine mandate. Global news has revealed that a web of doctors have shared unproven medical information about COVID 19 vaccines. Should a grade freeze be given to students due to the recent stint of remote learning? Canadian Taxpayers Federation calling on Ottawa to end lockdown subsidies. The Tiger Cats have signed some impending free agents and have allowed at least one player to try out in the NFL and M&M's changing their look to become more inclusive. The GMH podcast starts now.
1: This is the Good Morning Hamilton podcast on 900 CHML.
0: I'm hoping that our wonderful Prime Minister has a change of heart and uh, understands what a majority, I don't know if it's a majority, but a large portion of the public is asking for
2: They're big and they're noisy and they, they could probably draw a lot of attention. A
0: couple of truckers involved in the so-called Freedom Convoy that is now heading toward Ottawa to protest against the vaccine mandate against truck drivers, as we know, as of January the 15th. Canadian truckers must show proof of vaccination to avoid taking COVID-19 tests before reaching the border. They will have to quarantine when they return from the U.S. and American truckers who are unvaccinated, will not be allowed to enter. And uh, they, too, the U.S., also um, following the same rules now that Canada has employed. Ron Foxcroft is the CEO of Fluke Transport and also the author of The 40 Ways of the Fox and joins us on Good Morning Hamilton. Good morning, Ron. Good morning,
3: Rick. And I guess it's a good job that we had all that NFL football as a distraction to some <laughs> of the challenges that we're going through uh, and Rick, regarding the, uh, the trucking industry and the supply chain, the supply chain is in real serious deep peril right now. We're seeing, uh, depleted shelves in the grocery stores and we're seeing, uh, empty shelves in the grocery stores. The other thing, uh, we live this every day, Rick, you know, uh, trucking is a challenging industry whether there's a pandemic or not and trucking is a challenging industry in the winter uh, whether there's a pandemic or not but there's a deep divide in the industry right now around uh, vaccines and not vaccines which is a divisive issue and also this uh, this convoy in trucking we come in to work every single day with a mission to be safe Convoys uh, are not always a safe way to protest a regulation that people don't like because uh, the, the general people that are on the highways are rubbernecking at the convoys and not paying attention to the seriousness of driving their own car. Uh, the, the other thing, Rick, uh, the, the federal government have come out with a statement the regulation is not changing so you know the 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 bottom line a lot of people are simply saying just get vaccinated and and rick i need to explain one thing there's a lot of people a lot of trucking people in the industry that are not vaccinated that actually agree and have softened their position and want to be vaccinated for the safety of the country One of the problems that that, uh, the general public may not realize, long-distance truckers are on the road for two and three weeks at a time, and it's a really difficult situation to make an appointment to get your vaccine. So what we're suggesting uh, to the government, uh, you know, we need uh, uh, sometimes common sense isn't too common. What we're just saying, give the trucking industry Uh, a short period, an exemption, maybe three to six months to allow the truckers that agree we should be vaccinated for the safety of the country. Just give us time to get off the road, make an appointment, get our vaccine, and let's get this thing underway.
0: You make a good point. Uh, we should also mention that 90 percent of Canadian truckers are fully vaccinated, 60 percent in the United States. How many of your truck drivers have been sidelined due to this issue?
3: Only two. And and since this new regulation came into place, I believe that they have softened their position and all they have to do is find the time now. Uh, and it's re- really difficult, Rick. In, you see, it's hard for us Uh, we deliver groceries, essential items. It's really hard to take a truck off the road or take a driver off the road. But since the regulation is in place, I believe a couple of our people have softened their position and they're making the appointment to uh, get their vaccine. And, and, you know, Rick, we, we follow the rules in our industry. We follow the rules. We're in our cab. We're not COVID spreaders. Uh, we're vaccinated, we wear our mask and we and we keep social distance because the only place we can live or our office is in our truck cabs. so we're certainly not covid spreaders so i I think the government every everybody needs to just uh, turn down the temperature a little bit and and let's think this through let's create maybe a very short exemption period for the trucking industry, because, Rick, nobody is calling Wolf regarding the supply chain. There is no question there are shortages of groceries and essential products for the general public in the grocery stores. And kudos to the people that run the grocery stores. It's a high volume business. It's a low profit business. And and they're dedicated as well to
0: keeping us safe. Ron Foxcroft is our guest on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML. Fox is the CEO of Fluke Transport, author of the 40 Ways of the Fox, and of course the founder of the Fox 40 Whistle. Um, You mentioned that uh, convoys are not always safe, and I I would agree with that, uh, basically because of the rubbernecking aspect of it. Do you support this trucking convoy?
3: no the cta do not support this uh... the cta the canadian trucking association support being vaccinated uh... they do not support this convoy we are sympathetic to the industry but uh, rick this regulation at the border came at a very bad time uh... and i'll tell you why it's a very difficult time any time of the year to run a trucking operation but in particular in the winter, I'll give you an example. Last Monday during the blizzard, our fleet was 90% parked simply because we are in a blizzard and, and we come into work, as I said earlier, with a mission, be safe. And being out there in a blizzard in the wintertime is not keeping your truck drivers or the general public safe. So the timing of this regulation is very difficult when it comes into the winter give the trucking industry an exemption for three to six months to get us into the spring get us into the summer and give these truck drivers that are on the road for two and three weeks at a time an opportunity to get out there get their vaccines and 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 keep Uh, Canada and Canadians, uh, people that are locked in, the elderly, safe.
0: We should mention that uh, truck drivers often forgotten about being those on the front lines. Uh, You guys have done a heck of a job, and without truckers, I'm not sure where we would be at this point. Fox, always appreciate the time. Thanks for joining us. Have a great day. Always my pleasure, Rick. Thank you very much. That's Ron Foxcroft, CEO of Fluke Transport, author of The 40 Ways of the Fox, and the founder and uh, inventor of the Fox 40 Whistle.
1: You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML.
0: We have to talk about this story, which was broken by our uh, uh, friends at Global News, where an investigation has revealed that a web of doctors have shared unproven medical information about vaccines. There are 40 physicians under investigation. Many of them in Ontario and BC after they shared unproven medical information about vaccine side effects, others accused of issuing false vaccine exemptions or prescribing unverified treatments. Dr. Kerry Bowman is a bioethicist and assistant professor in the Department of Family and Community Medicine at the University of Toronto and joins us now on Good Morning Hamilton. Good morning, Dr. Bowman. Good morning. Forty physicians under investigation that is troubling to say the least,
4: yeah, you know the number forty really, really surprised me and i'm I'm a person that's been working with physicians my whole life, you know four, but forty whoa, that's a lot um you know it's very, very worrisome and it it's a tough balance because look, you know science is evolving, and you can't be in a position where, you know, people doing medical practice or particularly medical research are silenced, right? But that does not seem to be what's going on here. So these, from what I can see, and I don't know all 40 of them, but the the cases that I have have looked at, um, so these are not researchers that say, you know what, I see this completely differently. Um, These tend to be people with their own sort of non-evidence-based opinions And um, that's where it becomes very problematic and worse than that. You know, if if you start allowing fraudulent vaccine um, exemptions, that is just awful for the whole society. Um, So that's the problem. But look, what I do want to say is we can't be in a position where physicians aren't allowed to to, you know, express evidence based opinions. That would be a terrible thing for all of us.
0: Yeah, there is there is a bit of a fine line because there is, as we know, during this pandemic, a a boatload of evidence, research that's being done, uh, trials that have been undertaken. Um, When it comes to, as you mentioned, you know, issuing false vaccine exemptions, now you're crossing the line.
4: You really really are that's absolute fraud I mean i I don't know the law it, it could have legal implications but ethically it's a nightmare because you know we in the broader society you know when we go out for lunch dinner whatever whatever I mean we need to know that we have a system that is secure and and you know if you start handing out all kinds of false um, you know vaccine exemptions it's it's bad for the entire society and it elevates risk and you know it's I can't think of any other word for it. It's fraud. This is not things doctors should ever be a part of.
0: Our guest on Good Morning Hamilton on 900CHML, Dr. Carrie Bowman, bioethicist, assistant professor in the Department of Family and Community Medicine at the University of Toronto. Um, we, have the, we have the provincial government uh, who is responsible for uh, the healthcare system, at least the health ministry, and we have the College of Physicians and Surgeons. Who is responsible for these doctors? Is it the latter?
4: Yeah, I, you know, as, as much as I know the system, it would be the latter. It would be the latter. And I think they're under a lot of a lot of pressure, uh, you know, to, to uh, come to terms with this. But, uh, you know, again, I, I don't want to make excuses. But as I said, you know, my working life, I've been working shoulder to shoulder with physicians my whole life. They're not perfect. I'm not perfect either. But it's very, most of them are men and women of absolute integrity. They work hard and they stay with evidence based. Practice an evidence based standard of care. So I'm actually I'm, I'm repeating myself here, but I'm really surprised by the number. Mm-hmm. Um, it's so high.
0: Is is the system broken? Do we need a, a re education or, or or something yeah, no, to that that's,
4: effect? That's the thing. We do need we need a system that that can actually deal with these things quite effectively. And the system in Ontario, I think at least you can, if I understand it correctly, you can. I'm PhD, not MD, so that's why I'm not as uh, you know entirely. Uh, sure of all these things. But um, you, you you can actually suspend a person during investigation, where some of the other provinces, I think you can't. The system has to be nimble, and the system has to be independent, and it has to be, you know, it can't be done overnight, but it has to be rapid. And I'm not sure any of those things are working as well as they could be. So it's not just the physicians in this case. We need to be looking at, do we have working systems? Because why do these systems exist? This is to protect the safety and well-being of all of us. Um, and so these systems are really, really important.
0: There's also a trust factor here, too. We, we need our people to trust um, uh, their, the healthcare system and the people in it.
4: Absolutely. And when you begin to hear things like this, you know, two things can happen. One, people could say, well, every second doctor is, you know, crazy or something. And this is not at all the case. But secondly, exactly the public needs to know there's a system that can deal with these things if and when things go wrong or at least investigate rapidly and i'm not really sure that's what's occurring here and i i think you know but the fact that it's surfaced i think these systems we will take a much closer look at
0: dr bowman appreciate the time today thanks for joining us
4: you're very welcome
0: take care Uh, you too that is bioethicist dr Kerry bowman joining us As uh, 40 physicians out of thousands, let's not kid ourselves, it's not a a, a huge number, although, you know, when you look at it, it is um, facing uh, uh, investigation after, uh, well, some of the things that we talked about, sharing unproven medical information about vaccine side effects and uh, what may be even worse, uh, issuing false vaccine exemptions or prescribing unverified treatments. You're listening to
1: the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML.
0: There are um, a bunch of high school students in this province who are lobbying school boards and the provincial government for a freeze on grades for the rest of this Omicron interrupted semester. And this comes after some boards said that final marks wouldn't fall further than they were at the end of last year. As we know, the December winter break came. Omicron was in full effect. The provincial government said, hey, we're going to do some online learning for the time being. Uh, last Monday was the return. Well, actually, here in Hamilton, it was Wednesday because of the snowstorm. Uh, last Wednesday, students finally returned to in-person learning. But these high schoolers are saying, well, wait a minute. Our our semester has been interrupted, has been tumultuous because of the in-person to online back to in-person learning We want to see our grades freeze, or at least not get any lower than they might be. Does it make sense? Well, let's ask our next guest here. Todd Cunningham is his name, Assistant Professor, Teaching Stream, Ontario Institute for Studies in Education at the University of Toronto. Todd, good morning. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you doing? I'm okay. How about yourself? Doing well, thanks. So this notion of a grade freeze, I know it was done at the onset of the pandemic back in 2020. Does it make sense again? Yeah,
5: what we know is every time we do these transitions from in person to online or online back to in person, it takes a you know a, a while to kind of readjust to this new learning environment. Um, so learning doesn't happen as well during those transition times. In addition, anytime we go to the online learning environment, we have impacts on you know not all students are impacted equally. Some students who don't have good access to online um, learning, you know, they're not going to be able to see their teachers or even talk with their their teachers. Um, Other students, due to environmental um, situations, might have difficulties being able to um, concentrate. You know, maybe I'm a high school student, I'm having to look after my younger siblings um, while my parents are at work, and so I'm not going to be able to do my schooling. Or there might be a lot of People in the house during the day, and they're all using the internet, and I have to wait till late at night to be able to log on to to be able to do my my work. So, not all students are impacted equally by the online learning. So, when we have these transition periods, we know that's going to be disruption to um, certain students' education, as well as these are high stake marks, especially for grade eleven, grade twelve students, and they're concerned that um, we now have an equitable uh, equity issue across the province. we based on your geography, some student's marks might not be as impacted by the transition time where other student's marks may be.
0: From a psychological standpoint as well, students will feel differently when they're going from the classroom to, in per, or to uh, remote learning and then back into the classroom. That adjustment period uh, yep. is going to be, I guess, uh, consumed differently by each and every student.
5: Oh, d- definitely. And we know that when we go to the online learning, a lot of students uh, report feeling much more lonely. You know, they don't feel as engaged in the learning process. You know, part of school is the socialization aspect, not only just socializing with my friends um, in the hallways or before school, but actually during um, the learning experience, being able to talk over materials with um, friends. We've actually had to create a Zoom study groups where. Students get together online to be able to just do their homework together because they need those social connections. And so, again, losing that in-person piece will have, for some, will impact that um, social engagement that they need to be able to do to foster their learning.
0: Todd Cunningham is our guest, Assistant Professor Teaching Stream, Ontario Institute for Studies in Education at the University of Toronto. You're listening to Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML. What would a grade freeze do to the psyche of the student body?
5: Well, I think for those students who um, are concerned about where their grades are, it's going to reduce the, um, a level of stress during this last um, couple weeks of the semester to say, hey, you know, I put a really good force, a strong effort. I've gone to where I need to be. Um, due to the stress that's happening in my life right now, I know that's not going to negatively impact me. Whereas other students, it's not, a, you know, I, from my understanding, a lot of boards are saying it's a freeze, or an improvement. So I go, okay, I'm not quite at that mark I want to do, then I am going to put forth more effort right now and trying to up my marks on these final projects so that I can have that true reflection of what my learning ability um, is as I'm I'm exiting this this term. So I think it it reduces the stress on a lot of individuals who have already hit that kind of piece where they need to be. Here's some th- teachers might say, oh, my goodness, but my students aren't going to be engaged in the learning over the next uh, couple of weeks. Um, what we typically find is those high-achieving students, they're going to continue to engage in the learning. And for other students, teachers could be creative. You know, maybe they'll say, hey, um, if you handed this last assignment and it's a better mark than maybe an assignment you did in October or November, we'll drop that um, so that we can replace um, that, that mark to continue to create engagement um, within the material.
0: When it comes to those grade 12 students who are looking to make the jump to post-secondary in the fall, um, if not all boards are on board with this grade freeze, will it give students who are in boards where grades can't fall have an advantage when applying for those university and, and college courses?
5: No, that's going to be a good uh, question to the colleges and universities in terms of how they're going to be looking at grades and their, their policies around that. But I definitely from a psychological perspective, students are going to feel that. If I am in a board where my grades are not frozen and I look at my friends who are in a board that their grades are frozen, then I'm going to feel um, that I'm at a disadvantage um, compared, uh, compared to those individuals.
0: Pretty fascinating topic, Todd. Appreciate the time today. Enjoy the rest of your day.
5: Yeah, you too.
0: Bye. Todd Cunningham is an assistant professor in the Ontario Institute for Studies in Education at the University of Toronto.
1: You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML.
0: Well, as we know, since the onset of the pandemic, there have been a multitude of government subsidies. But is now the time to end those subsidies? One person, well, I think more than one, but at least one, uh, says it is high time that these subsidies come to an end. His name is Franco Terrazano. He's the federal director of the Canadian Taxpayers Federation, and he joins us now on GMH. Good morning, Franco.
6: Hey, good morning. Thanks for having me on.
0: So why is now a good time to cut the cord, so to speak?
6: Well, now is a good time for the federal government, for Ottawa, to end its pandemic subsidies. And the reason is, is that we have seen now the federal government is subsidizing decisions made by provincial politicians to to lock down provinces. So essentially when a government subsidizes something, you can expect more of it. And we have seen the federal government spend more than half a trillion dollars, more than $500 billion on the subsidies to help the workers and businesses stay afloat when provincial politicians lock down their provinces. So more than 80% of those subsidies has been coming from Ottawa. And that's allowing these provincial politicians to not consider the full cost of their lockdowns. And because Ottawa is subsidizing provincial politicians locking their provinces down, you can expect provincial politicians to be biased towards these types of restrictions.
0: So in short, if we didn't have federal subsidies, we wouldn't have lockdowns.
6: Well, we have Well, no, we, we don't know that for sure. But what we do know is that it would certainly bias a politician towards those lockdowns. And, and remember, we're not at the beginning of the pandemic, right? We're, we're now almost two full years into the pandemic. So if provincial politicians, if they, if they think that they do need to lock a province down, if they think that they do need to put in restrictions, they've had more than enough time to come up, tailor programs uh, to go to their specific needs. And provincial politicians, they've also had enough time to cut other areas in the budget, wasteful spending, corporate welfare, politician welfare, to redirect that to, to more useful
0: needs. I think it's fair to say that the subsidies have been uh, well-received by many in the public, but at the end of the day, we're all going to be paying for these subsidies sometime down the road.
6: Well, that's true, but we're also paying for it right now with inflation, right? Inflation is showing us that there is no free lunch when it comes to to government spending, especially at the federal level, and because what we've seen is you've seen the Bank of Canada, the central bank, print new dollars right out of thin air to purchase up a bunch of Government of Canada debt. We've seen the Bank of Canada print $370 billion out of thin air, and of course, the more money, uh, the more dollars that the Bank of Canada prints, the less that your dollars buy. So we've seen Ottawa finance a good chunk of its deficit spending with the printing press. And, of course, a lot of that deficit spending has gone to these subsidies. So not only are we as taxpayers going to have to pay this back eventually, we're already paying it back now as the dollars and cents in our paychecks and our savings account aren't going as far.
0: Franco Terrazano is the federal director of the Canadian Taxpayers Federation joining us here on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML. These, cut, these subsidies have created an incentive really for people a lot of people to stay home and that has led to a labor shortage.
6: Yes that's absolutely right I mean we, we, we all know when we uh, when we were allowed to go to restaurants right you go to the restaurant you see. I mean at least I've experienced this where there was a big line I'd ask Uh, uh, one of the waitresses or or waiters who were running around taking care of a whole bunch of tables. And on a few different occasions at a few different restaurants, they they told me that, well, they were just having a hard time getting the staff back. And of course, um, it doesn't take a PhD in economics to understand that if you pay people not to work, you're going to have fewer people working. And I think that one of the heroes through this whole pandemic, has been the small business owners, right? Many small businesses, uh, they saved up for years, they put it into their business, they got their communities, their neighbors to work, and unfortunately they have absolutely taken it on the chin during this pandemic with revolving government lockdowns, and these types of subsidies are now making it harder and harder for small businesses to find the workers that they need.
0: Franco, thanks for sharing your insight into this. Enjoy the rest of your day. You too. Thanks for having me on. Franco Terrazano, Federal Director, Canadian Taxpayers Federation, calling on Ottawa to end the lockdown subsidies.
1: You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML.
0: Busy a week or so for the Hamilton Tiger Cats. They've locked up a handful of their impending free agents and have allowed at least one player to explore an opportunity in the National Football League. Here to talk about it is Orlando Steinhauer. He's the head coach and president of football operations with the Black and Gold and joins us now. Coach O, how are you?
7: I'm doing great, Rick. Yourself?
0: Not too bad. Maybe we'll start with uh, Dane Evans. Uh, really a no-brainer. Had an excellent season. Injury riddled, which was unfortunate, but has really proven to be a bonafide number one QB in this league. Uh, your thoughts on the re-signing of Dane?
7: Yeah, well, I think you always have to start with the guy who's who spins it and uh dane has uh earned an opportunity to uh lead our organization and we knew that um you know having jeremiah and dane uh in the fold was somewhat of a, a luxury for us and a credit to those guys for wanting to be a part of that um, but i guess they have both earned their opportunity both to go soar and to run their own football team so um yeah, we, uh, we're excited to have Dane back in the fold along with his family and uh, looking forward to the upcoming season.
0: So does that close the door officially on the Masoli era here in Hamilton?
7: No, of course not. Of course not. But when you offer your main your main guy, you've kind of chosen what it is. So there's no door closed on anybody.
0: <clears throat> Other guys that you've re-signed, uh, Chris Van Zyl, Brandon Revenberg, Tunde Adelike, Poppy White, all key contributors going forward.
7: Yeah, absolutely. You want to, you know, it takes two people to sign contracts. You can't make anybody do anything. So, um, you know, we've been fortunate to to lock up a, a couple of, uh, well, a few people there, Rick. And uh, so we're excited. Um, each team, each season is never going to look the same. Uh, that's just inevitable. And you just uh, sometimes you don't know. Uh, from year to year what exactly it's going to look like, especially in the era of a lot of one-year contracts. You know, there's a lot of free agents, uh, at least in our case.
0: Well, in in many teams' cases, I think at the start of the free agent period, or at least uh, after the Grey Cup, I think Winnipeg had like 49 free agents. Hamilton had 30-plus. You're whittling that number down. But when it comes to those, you know, one-year kind of contracts, how huge nowadays is roster continuity?
7: Well, if you can keep it, I think it just gives you a better opportunity. I think continuity—you can't really look past that word—and I think there's something to be said for that. There's no guarantee that if you keep continuity, necessarily that you're you're always going to win. But anytime your, people are understand uh, your environment, the way you like to do things, uh, be it as a staff or even even players, uh, it it always it always helps when you're not introducing something new, a new playbook to a player. Uh, each year i think it does give you uh, somewhat of an advantage to hit the ground uh, running a little faster than you would otherwise
0: our guest on good morning hamilton on 900 chml is orlando steinauer head coach and president of football operations with the hamilton tiger cats what about fan favorites simone lawrence and brandon banks is there a good chance they'll be back
7: yeah we're trying we're going through everybody rick you could go uh you could go down the line we uh We're we're actively pursuing uh, a lot of free agents. There's contract offers uh, out to players, which we keep all of our stuff in-house like that because, uh, like I said, ultimately it takes two people uh, in most cases to sign contracts. So we're working diligently uh, behind the scenes to try to put together the best football team we can for 20 for 2023, or 2022, and 2023, of <laughs> course. In hey, some yeah. cases, we've got, we've, got a, we've got a few people that got uh, two-year contracts out there.
0: That's right. When uh, when you're looking at free agency opening uh, early next month, do you plan to be active in that market, or is that going to depend on who you re-signed and, and for how much money? Because obviously, we're still in a salary camp world.
7: No, 100%. And I think uh, you always try to leave a, a little bit of buffer there, but Sometimes uh, you are going to be active players in the free agent market because of how people signed, as you were alluding to. And, and sometimes most of your money uh, is already tied up in, in say, obviously the players that, that you have on your football team that you've re-signed. So uh, because we haven't re-signed um, everybody that we would uh, anticipate signing thus far, it's hard to predict whether we'll be players, um, or to what degree will be players in the free agent market this offseason?
0: Uh, one name that you have crossed off the list, at least temporarily, Nikolai Kalinich, uh, released to seek NFL opportunities. Uh, just some some thoughts on Nikolai Kalinich.
4: Yeah, just so
7: so proud of him, uh, and you know, opportunities. He's, we've been getting uh, calls from the National Football League for for him, and he's very deserving, and he's also earned. Uh, opportunity to go down there and and see see what he can do and i know that's something that uh, has always uh it's always been there for him and i'm just excited that he'll have some of those opportunities
0: you were in that boat once not too long ago did you have any advice for him
7: (laughs) (laughs) oh no no advice except for you know he's going to go down there and be himself the reason he's down there is because of of what he put on tape and so to go down there and try to uh, do more than what you can do is going to be a disservice so he's uh he's hungry he's young his best football is not in workouts his best football is uh, when the pads are on so if he can get uh, signed somewhere and um you know the pads get on i think that's when he'll turn a couple heads
0: well we wish you uh, nicola all the best and uh, coach o, we wish you nothing but the best as well as free agencies right around the corner thanks for joining us today
7: Thank you, Rick. Appreciate it. Have a great day.
0: You too. Orlando Stein, our head coach and president of football operations with the Hamilton Tiger Cats.
1: You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900
0: CHML. More inclusive bag of M&Ms. Yeah, M&Ms changing their look to become more inclusive. Ella Veresu is an assistant professor of marketing at York University and joins us now on Good Morning Hamilton. Ella, good morning. Thanks for joining us.
2: Good morning. Thank you very much for having me.
0: So M&M's parent company, Mars Inc., announced last week that the candy characters are going to have, quote, more nuanced personalities to underscore the importance of self-expression and power of community through storytelling. Um, your thoughts on this latest development?
2: Well, the, the brand has been around for about 80 years. And it is a competitive market space in candy and chocolate overall, um, so it, it's not unusual for brands to uh, occasionally come out with uh, refreshing or slight repositioning branding strategy. Now, with M and M's, they've featured many colored candy characters. Which, for many years, which was already more, maybe considered more inclusive than other brands. So this brand repositioning strategy is really solidifying their commitment to inclusivity. Uh, and it may seem silly because the the uh, changes are uh, physically in their in their. Uh, little candy characters are are not that big so it's the females that are getting new shoes and less makeup and uh, the the rest of the the male uh, characters uh, their personalities are slightly changing Um, and I think the orange one his shoelaces are tied (laughs) Um, so so they're very minor cute changes however this marketing strategy is doing very, very well because it's created a huge buzz in just a week since they've uh, released their press statements, both online, on social media, and in traditional media. So, for example, it was, uh, it even had its own segment on The Late Show with Stephen Colbert and The Daily Show with Trevor Noah. Um, so sure, they, they teased the brand repositioning strategy but in a cute comical way and funnily enough it was even uh, discussed uh, on Fox News by the the host Tucker Carlson who whined about the cartoons uh, the Eminem cartoon characters becoming less sexy especially the green one because she no longer has go-go boots but rather sneakers. Um, so it, it's making a splash across the news, across social media, across late-night shows, and thereby potentially increasing people's cravings for M&M candy, which is a good thing in the end because it's going to lead to increased sales.
0: So really mission accomplished for Mars Inc. and the makers of m ms
2: Yep, absolutely. It, it's definitely a buzzworthy story.
0: So why now? Why do you think the company has come out? Because, as you mentioned, uh, you know, M and M's had a variety of different colors, makes, and models, if you will. Why why make this adjustment now?
2: Well, of course, because the the overall conversation has switched to becoming more inclusive. Uh, we there is a lot of talk of equity, diversity, and inclusion across the board in a lot of different fields, and brands are. In in a way, jumping on the bandwagon.
0: Another uh, point from uh, M&M's is that the two female characters will also have a more friendly relationship. Instead of the catty one they've displayed in M&M's ads, uh, they are now together throwing shine and not shade. So it's basically a representation of everyone. Everyone's getting along.
2: Yeah. So it's, it's at the end, a feel-good story. So they're, they're focusing on, on emotional branding and trying to make their little uh, m M&M and characters resonate with the, the times that we live in today.
0: Do you think other companies are going to see the publicity that m and has received and say, yeah, we're going to do something very similar?
2: Absolutely. Because it, it, is, it is, at the end of the day, a feel-good story, all fun and great, um, and they are getting a lot of, of free publicity out of it. Ella we were Re- discussing them this morning. Yeah. So.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, really appreciate your time. Thanks for joining us today, and enjoy the rest of your day.
2: Absolutely. You too. Take care.
0: That's uh, Ella Veresu. He, uh, an, ass- an assistant professor of marketing at York University's Scullock School of Business. Uh, Eminem is also saying that the company... Uh, And its new look is part of a global commitment to creating a world where everyone feels they belong and society is inclusive and goes on to say that the red M&M will be nicer to the rest of the gang and the orange one will embrace his true self, worries and all now that he can acknowledge his anxiety. So it's a big kumbaya on M&M's And Mars Inc., it's it's getting a, a ton of traction, not only in the variety of TV shows that Ella described for us, but online as well, certainly on social media where everything is really up for grabs, but this is getting a lot of positive and negative reaction from those who are responding to it.
1: Thanks for listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast. You can listen to the show live weekday mornings from 5.30 to 9 on 900 CHML and online at 900CHML.com.
0: The Good Morning Hamilton podcast is available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, and wherever you get your favorite podcast. I'm Rick Samprin. Thanks again for listening, and don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. It's free, so you never miss an episode, and Make sure you rate and review.